you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL Podcast. Coming soon to a theater near you. In London is right. The O2 Forum Thursday night. From the Chris Wessling Podcast Studio, it's Around the NFL. The flagship program, Sunday, week three recap. Dan Hans is here. Greg Rosenthal. Mark Sessler. Mark. I can hear it. You got a little bounce in your step after the show today. We're going to be on the plane heading over the pond. You're buzzing. International flights offer certain advantages. Mm. That's all I'll say. Yes, yes, yes. We're going to have to keep an eye on Mark. Although, actually, you and I, like, we all have a lot of um, insane work to do on the plane, so we're going to keep it under wraps. We're company men. You've now said what you plan to do. Right. Right. My biggest benefit is that it uh, inspired a new song by Dan Hansis. (laughs) I I hope you can share it with the listeners. I don't even remember what it is. That's just part of the (laughs) pre-show banter. Okay. Um, Probably something about sadness. It was about about Dan being on the plane, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It was a song. Daniel is flying tonight on the plane. (laughs) Which you've now adopted as. Ba 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 ba. In your world, you going? No, in your your world view, that song, which is decades and decades old, was was a prophetic song about you taking this flight tonight. I think it's built to this moment. That's the problem with you. Is it? It's a. Maybe it's what makes me great. Okay. (laughs) Let's get (laughs) to it. (laughs) It's the Sunday flagship show, and it really got off to on a great foot about an hour ago. Um, the way things are set up in our office, we watch everything in the newsroom together and our screens are a little behind. Um, so sometimes we need to roll over to where the bullpen is, where Dave Ely and Burgo and everybody else is hanging out to watch the game so it doesn't get spoiled. Uh, the real the real time of these Plus plays Plus you can happen. watch all four games at once. It's great. It's great. So we roll over. Greggy rolls over. And just this was a reminder, Greg, that even the heroes let us down sometimes. Greg had Tom Brady driving on one screen, Geno Smith driving on the other. Both of those, their teams lost, and you should have seen it. was basically one of the saddest things I've ever seen. I mean, I've never seen Dan happier. I've never <laughs> seen him um, so just like 
Daniel is flying glee. tonight yeah, on the plane. Glee inside to see a, a friend of his uh, in pain. Two greats of the game going down. Just minutes apart, Geno Smith and Tom Brady. It was tough. We'll get to those. And, again, Greg, a total pro because you, he was expecting. You went through it for so long, Greg. You always good things happening to your football life. And yeah. now the reality of fandom is setting in, and, and you're learning it's a little bittersweet. It's a real adult. We're going to get to those games. <laughs> but first, let's start in scorching South Florida. Second and 20. 18 seconds left. Allen. Oh. He goes down. Oh, he gets, he gets back up and tosses it to McKenzie. He's trying to get to the sideline. Has to cut it back in and is tackled in bounds with seven seconds left. Ingram, the tackle. Oh! Clock it! Clock it! Cephalo. You know, I talked about it last week with that great Jets one when Bob was shoes. And you never get to hear Bob was shoes and on an exciting call. Great play by play, man. Cephalo, well, since we've been doing the show, when do you hear Cephalo on a big call? You know, you have that miracle with Gronk that one game, but like. Once every three months. No, that's not true. Once every three years. Now you're getting closer. But this is real time. Thank you, Mark. You're, you're gumming up the show already. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy Cephalo with the call. The Miami Dolphins stop Josh Allen and the Bills at the goal line. Then, after a butt punt, they stopped him again, or at least held him in bounds, and then got the clock to run out on an absurd 21-19 win over the previously unstoppable Buffalo Bills. Um, Mark, despite what you said, football hasn't been this exciting around the Dolphins in a long time. And the fact that you were able to get a win over the mighty Bills here at 3-0, and Miami football is flying high. Yeah, I think like the narrative coming into this was how will Buffalo's secondary handle what Miami did to the Ravens last week with Tyreek Hill, with Jalen Waddell. That wasn't really the story of this game. I think that you know Buffalo's offense, which broke the Rams, broke the Titans very quickly, looked unstoppable. They had increasing... Breakdown, meltdown scenarios in this game, and I would t- I would talk about four different plays. They had a th- and they got increasingly worse. It obviously ended with that with that inability to spike the ball and stop the clock. But in the in the earlier in the game, they had a drive that ended at the Miami twenty, and then they went ahead and missed a field goal. That's unbuffalo like so far. They had a twenty play drive that really to me I thought they could have said we we're going to reestablish the tone in this game. It fizzled out into a field goal. Mm. That's you've missed a, you've lost three points and I really think that should have been a touchdown. That happened at the Miami 11 that melted down. Then the drive before that final clock issue scenario, fourth and goal. Josh Allen, who's been perfect this season, mm. rolls out, mm-hmm. throws a completely bizarre on the run off target short ball to Isaiah McKenzie, who was just sort of sitting there in the end zone with his hands out like he was going to catch a baby or something coming off a burning building. And the baby landed well short of Isaiah McKenzie's hands. And Talking so dead babies on the well, podcast? Well, the, the, the baby did not, you know, Buffalo, it lived because the Buffalo had one more chance. And then time <laughs> ran out on that fourth scenario right there. So that's, that's. Yeah. Wait, so now are, the baby's dead. Well, I don't. I you know, like like the Patriots do with their injuries. I'm not going to give you the status See, now of the we're baby. We're coming up your monologue. <laughs> well, well, that's not a new thing. 
You could tell because he's so excited. That is not a new thing. He's going to be extra spicy today. No, but I mean, that to me was the story of the game. And I I think this Miami defense where they kept the coordinator, they kept the system that was so smart for Mike McDaniel to handle it that way, the team to handle it that way. Their secondary grew hotter and hotter as the game went on, and they made Buffalo look human. Well, it sounded like the the conditions were a huge factor. A lot of the Bills players said as much. They were dying. McKenzie (laughs) uh, got an IV at one point. But it's partly because their offense was tired. They had 90 plays in this game, and the Dolphins had 39. You almost never see a gap like that. That's outrageous. They had 497 yards in this game, Mark, and the Dolphins had 212. You give me those two stats, and you would say, and I'm sure like the DVOA will run the numbers, and Dolphins fans will be upset because we're not giving them their flowers. We should get to giving them some flowers. But you look at those numbers, and I'm sure some of the advanced analytics will run the numbers of this, and they would say you would expect a score of like 33-16 bills. So like uh, you're telling me about those key plays but like how did how did the Dolphins get this done offensively that that officially because it doesn't like to put 21 points up sounds pretty minutes. good it's crazy well, so, right, so one of the one of their touchdowns was off a of Josh Allen was off a of fumble and they, they had a six yard touchdown drive okay that took helps. advantage they did have the legit nine yard 83 yard touchdown drive but it did not it wasn't coming through the big plays that were there in the past were not in this game it, it, that was not the case then they had one where they took over at their old 28 and had a regular touchdown drive so they had two efficient drives but one was a difference maker that was a buffalo turnover and deep it, in their own territory and you know dolphins fans uh you know i just mentioned here and they they've been looking for the respect here's the respect like the fans in this game uh, were reported that like a huge factor, like that the both both players, but especially the Dolphins players, where they haven't heard Hard Rock Stadium this rocking and this loud in a long time. And I thought it was telling on that final play, you know, the Dolphins didn't send any extra rushers. That Jalen Phillips and Melvin Ingram won immediately. Uh, and that's why they ended up winning the game on that play. At that point, I still thought that they were going to set up for the Tyler Bass game winner, and Agba won immediately. So those three rushers up front beat the Bills' offensive line, which has more injury issues, uh, and that's the key play of the game. It's interesting seeing the throw. One of the plays you mentioned there, Mark, that when he did Josh Allen throw that ball short, it did. It just remind, it reminds you that these guys are human, and – in these conditions, I would love. I'm really excited to see the rematch of this game. I think the Bills, to me, are still the best team in the division. But this is what it is. I mean, they are now three and zero. They're the only three and zero team in the AFC now of the Miami Dolphins. So this is as big as it gets. This is a huge win. And yeah, part of the Miami Dolphins' experience is where they play their games, especially this time of year. That's an advantage. And and their players, they practice in that through the spring and summer. And that was a built-in advantage in this game that they took advantage of. And they were able to keep that. That game came very close. Can I mention one other apart one other play that yes. I know Bills fans are wondering why we haven't mentioned? That Matt Milano had a pick six against the Titans. Tua threw a terrible ball. It landed right mm. into the midst of Matt Milano, who dropped it. That I mean, there are just these. It's mm. one of these games where I think if you're a Bills fan, where you look so dominant, you could count ten or eleven little plays that changed this thing entirely and put, I think, a lesser performance by Miami's offense. It was enough because of Buffalo's mistakes. You know what? Though they've been bad in short yardage all three weeks. So, and they were bad in short yardage a year ago. So that's something they have to clean up and, and was a big part, I think, of, of why they lost yeah. this game. And if you want a visual for the frustration of the Buffalo Bills experience, look no further than one of the great all-time, I think the all-time 
booth shot for a coordinator group. Ken Dorsey, the OC, having a total conniption after time ran out in that game. That, Very frustrating <laughs> defeat for the Buffalo Bills, who are going to be okay. Was that a, at the end? You see a hand coming. My in, favorite the part is the hand yeah. comes in. I think from another member of the Bill staff who realized, oh, like, this oh, is no. this is making Ken look bad. <laughs> yeah, let's save. Oh, Ken. it makes him look good. I think because he cares. Yeah, but I, it's I'm a sure bit he's not thrilled about. It. But you know what happened was he's doing that. He's having the conniption. The dude next to him looks up and sees the CBS monitor playing right. the conniption. Right. He's like, no. <laughs> like a PR guy. <laughs> All right. So there you go. The Dolphins are three and zero. The Bills two and one. Tua looked okay, by the way, after the back injury. So I just yeah, was so the, was it a head injury or so back Ian injury? So Ian mentioned it, it. It looked like it was head, and then Ian re- tweeted out that his understanding was that it, that he had tweaked his back in the first quarter on a sneak and mm. didn't miss time. But I, I don't, you know, I. It's hard to say he looked great. Mm. It just wasn't a great day for Tua or an, a terrible day. But was it a head injury, labeled as a back injury? You, you know, it's, it, no, it was, the other way, it was the other way around. It was. It was a head injury. You know. But I'm saying, was it something, mm. oh, let's call it a back injury so we don't have to worry about certain elements of keeping our quarterback in the game. Did you sense any of that as someone who hasn't watched it yet? I thought it, I, I did not see back injury out of the gate, but I'm not one of these okay. people that prance around acting like I can diagnose what's happening to a player physically. I hate when I see people prancing around, like skipping through yeah. the streets. <laughs> it's like the That's fake. That's an elbow sprain. The Twitter doctors love to prance. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move. Oh, oh no. Oh, see, who did it? There was, a, there was a, some collateral damage here. Who locked the bills? The Wesseling. Five people. <laughs> yes, it was the Wesseling brothers locked the bills, and they. You know, Nick's video made him seem like he was going to go with the Dolphins. He was like, the Dolphins are hot. They're at home. But Mm -hmm. then they pivoted for the Bills. Do they have a win yet? They did get a win. Cincinnati Zoo falls. Let's move on to, listen, okay, so the Bills, superpower in the AFC. They go down. How about the Chiefs? They got the winless Colts uh, up in week three. They're going to roll, right? Play clock is at 10. Waiting on the snap. Takes it. Looking left. He's going to fire up. Field's broken up. And intercepted by the Colts! Intercepted by the Colts! It's Rodney McLeod! Colts have it! Interception! Two seconds left, and the Colts are going to win! Oh, Matt Taylor, WFNY. After Matt Ryan connected with Jelani Woods for the second time, 12-yard touchdown pass with 24 seconds left. Rodney McLeod gets the INT with just two seconds remaining. It capped a upset win for the Colts, who knock at, knock off the Chiefs 20-17. to 17. The Colts improved to 1-1-1. One, one, and one. That's kind of fun. The Chiefs fall <laughs> to 2-1. Greggy, uh, what's going on with the Chiefs' offense here? That's, that's something I wanted to talk about because I looked at the box score. They had three points in the second half. Both their touchdowns came off turnovers where they had a short field. Are we back in this place again where we're worried about KC's offense? A little bit, yes. Over the Mm. last two weeks, if you look at their yards per play, you know, it's under five and a half, and that's why I wanted to lead with that play by Stephon Gilmore making the tip. Gilmore made some good plays on third down early, covering Travis Kelsey. Their defense kept them in this game when Matt Ryan and the offense really struggled other than, like, they picked up a one TD where they got the ball at the five-yard line, and then they had this last drive, which we can get to. But the Chiefs, the Colts defense, on the other hand, like made them feel ordinary for much of the day. And I didn't feel like Patrick Mahomes played played bad. But then I thought, you know, they only had nine drives in this game. 
and there was a lot of punts. And I thought at the end of the game, it was going to be a repeat of the AFC Championship game when instead of 14 seconds, it was 24 seconds. And yet, and they were getting into field goal position and Juju Smith-Schuster, at least according to Tony Romo, and this is why you draft Tony Romo first overall. He really believed that last interception was on Juju Smith-Schuster faking out Patrick Mahomes, not sort of reading the coverage or reading what was happening on the blitz right. And you could see Mahomes double pump and then force it into it. And Juju kind of fooled Mahomes on that play, and they are working out some Kings offense. And that is the reminder, while Tyreek Hill is 3-0 and and thriving in Miami, uh, despite the week one destruction of Arizona, we're seeing a Chiefs team that very much looks like it's trying to figure out itself on offense. Here's what Mahomes had to say after the game about their offensive struggles. We just didn't play good enough, especially on the offensive side of the ball, uh, starting with me. Um, Obviously, we, we we missed some kicks and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we we had multiple opportunities to score. So I mean, we got to find ways to get the ball in the end zone, and that starts with me. You can't just get yards. We got to be able to get in the end zone when we're down there. I mean, they so they are hurt at the kicker position because you have Matt Amendola who missed an extra point, missed a field goal, and I something mean, you saw if you're watching the game. Mahomes before the half was very frustrated and actually sort of jawing with Eric Bieniemy about the fact that they didn't have a lot of time, but they didn't really go for a touchdown at that point. Um, it would have been tough to do, but I think it was more the idea that, like, what are we doing kind of hanging back? We're, we're in a game where we're, we're trying to work out some issues because flip side, this is great for the Colts. I mean, their season would have been in total turmoil. But long term, I'm watching Matt Ryan, and he's he when he's got time, he's Matt Ryan. But five, another five sacks today, another fumble. It's Two just, fumbles. Yeah, he seems just to be a sitting duck back there. And a long term, this was a, that's a major concern kind for of the a Colts. Mir- Greg, is it fair to say it's kind of a miracle I, I win for them? It. Because I can't believe they won this look, game. They got Pittman back, and, and he obviously uh, played a role in this. But Jonathan Taylor is held under three and a half yards of carry. The quarterback loses two fumbles. The Chiefs are your opponent, and somehow you kind of steal a win. Uh, that's huge for the Colts. It, it is, because you never know how these seasons shake out. These teams will be different in December than they are now, and the fact that they could bank a win like this when they average under four yards per play on offense. I mean, they were just lost in terms of what they wanted to do offensively, and on that game-winning touchdown drive, and that was a beautiful touchdown throw and, and a nice catch by Jelani Woods. He had two catches today, both touchdowns, and that drive ended up taking up eight minutes. Each team really only had three full drives in the second half. So it was one of those types of games. And it took eight minutes in part. 16 plays, 76 yards, because on fourth and 14, Chris Jones, the Chiefs defensive tackle, got a penalty just for something he said to Matt Ryan. I would love to know what he said. Because well, and the ref was right there and heard right. it. That's, otherwise, it wouldn't have he happened was on, either. Probably. He was on top of Matt Ryan, and he stayed a little extra and kind of looked down on him, but they didn't throw the penalty for that. They both got up, and Ryan said something, and Jones got in his face, said something back, and at that point, it comes out, and that ends up being the game-winning drive. So there was like a million things that went against the Chiefs that I think were somewhat lucky for the Colts. Uh, they also went for a, a fake field goal, Dan, because they had already missed uh, four points from their kicker, mm, Amendola. That's like in blackjack. You start just digging in. Yeah. Get deeper and deeper into the hole when you start Why trying to catch Justin points. Why not stick Justin Reed in there? Maybe he can right. save he, the day. He could have been better. But Good call. All, all that said, like the there. normal <laughs> well. Chiefs offense would have put the game out of reach before then, and they didn't. But what and, is the normal Chiefs offense? I guess we still don't know yet. Okay. We watch week one and we're like, oh, we do know what it is. Yeah. Well, that was the Cardinals defense. You know. And and Mahomes put it on himself. I thought Mahomes played 
quite well for the most part. Their running backs had 29 yards on 17 carries. Well, and we watched Mahomes with that one two-point conversion, which was right. vintage he, Mahomes. He had he had an insane two-point conversion. He had insane like sidearm to keep a drive going. He needs a little more help right now. All right, so Patrick Mahomes went down, but if, I mean Tom Brady. Tom Brady is at home. Tom Brady will take care of business. Aaron Rodgers. He can't touch Tom Brady, right? Let's check in at the pirate ship. Snap to Brady. Brady looking, waiting, scrambles, right throws, end zone, tipped up into the air. It is incomplete. Over. It is incomplete. Devon Ray Campbell tipped it up into the air in the right side of the end zone. And there is your dagger. The Packers defense finally gets the stop. That is Wayne Larravee with the call, WRNW. Aaron Rodgers threw for 255 yards and two touchdowns. But it was the Packers defense that got that stop. After Tom Brady threw a beautiful, well, it was really a great catch by Russell Gage. But a 90-yard drive with 14 seconds remaining, cutting it to 14-12. They go for two. They cannot convert. So the Bucks fall. They lose for the first time this season. And the Packers, another team like the Chiefs, trying to figure some things out, Greg, on offense. They scored just enough to get by the powerhouse Bucks. There's so many similarities with these two teams because their quarterbacks don't look quite like they were because they don't have the receivers. You made it, you know, out before as you're leading into this game like it was some, like, heroic underdog matchup that the Packers could win yeah. a game when old Tommy doesn't have his number one receiver. Mike okay, Evans doesn't fair. have his number two receiver. Chris Godwin doesn't fair. have his number three receiver. Julio Jones doesn't fair. have his left tackle. Donovan Smith doesn't fair. have his center. And uh, at the end, I thought I thought it was going to be, like, one of those magical Tom Brady moments, and I, wa- I was crushed because of that. Because... It, it just was feeling like one of those Patriots games where they somehow stayed in it because the Bucks defense, to me, is right there with the best defense in the league so far this season. I, I might put them number one. Uh, and they did a great job keeping this game close. And he drives down the field, and then it's a delay a game that yeah. ends up beating them. I know Devondre Campbell made the great play on the two, but at that point, I felt like Tom Brady and the Bucks offense had lost that game because of sloppiness. He took a delay a game that backed him up to the seven, and then he's like looking for a well, Todd Bowles. He's like, how come you didn't take yeah, a timeout? You didn't, you have, didn't have any timeouts, Tom Brady? And it was just like, Ugh, After that no delay option. a game, uh, Mark turned to me because he had joined us in the bullpen at that point and yeah. said, hey, listen, you know what? Actually backs him up and lets him do their offense a little better. No, that, well, I they, think that's going to be better. No, that, First of all, that is how I speak in the newsroom. Just to clarify, they, they were going to run it though. They 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 even started to run Mark the play. Mark didn't say that, but no. I did. I told Mark that's the kind of announcer trope when that happens. Oh, this actually gives them more to operate. They can operate, which is absurd. Now. It was also telling they operate. They, <laughs> they called the run though for Lenny Fournette on the original two point yeah. conversion, which I think tells you about the relative lack of confidence in. Perriman yeah. and Gage had a had a better day, and Jalen Darden and Cole Beasley. And they're all a tough watch right now. The they Bucks are. Morning. I mean, their their plan is not. Their plan was never let's throw 13 balls at Russell Gage. He's a nice piece who should have been getting like you know the third third receiver treatment. Then you've got Cam Brate getting six targets. Leonard Fournette five catches off of six. These are who you're throwing to. He had 42 Le- attempts and they only ran it with the right. running backs. It's not the plan. I mean Leonard Fournette 35 yards on the ground. So I mean it's I'm with you. I think they're one of the more dull offenses to watch, but it's not their fault. They're missing like five or six people. They, they plan to survive be able to, yeah. until the the cavalry comes home. Uh, it opens up the playbook a little bit. <laughs> Evans will be back next week. He was suspended. Uh, we don't know about Godwin's Godwin or Julio. But the Packers what defense. What is up with Julio Jones? What happened? 
What, what, what I mean, is this injury is now? Is this so unexpected at this point? I think we've come to learn this is the world. Yeah. Then week one already feels like it happened about 10 years ago with some of the things we were talking about. There was a report studio. it's a worse knee injury than expected. Oh, I think no. Jay Glazer had it as a torn PCL oh, or oh, something. No. That's Cole, what Cole killed Beasley Zeke last year. made a catch today, I believe, didn't he? Yeah, I mean, Cole Beasley, yeah, comes in uh, out, him, out of uh, Tom Brady's DMs. <laughs> Get his ass. Uh, he literally was like DMing Tom Brady and got got himself signed. Uh, I thought they might use him a lot. There was a report he made a diving catch to keep the first drive going, uh, but he was not. Uh, How does everyone on the field have Tom much? Brady's number? Like they don't have their their careers didn't intersect. I think it was Instagram. You oh, know, right. I well, guess they they follow each other. Uh, Packers defense deserves credit for holding up without Jair Alexander. That's a big loss for them. They did get Bakhtiari back. Uh, in this game, finally. But he did not play the whole... Did he, was he in and out of the lineup? There was a series I saw him on the bench. I think he was mostly in there, but I think they tried to limit some of his snaps, but he played the majority of it, and he looked mm. good. The first two drives, even though that Todd Bowles recovered, uh, the first two drives were like kind of Aaron Rodgers... Uh, in his aging, uh, you know, end of his era period, like at his Whoa. absolute best, he was like mm. out coaching Bowles personally on all these third downs where he knew exactly what was coming. Um, the the magic number here, before we move on, we're going to take a break. Um, that you would have never guessed, although we kind of were on this a little bit going into the game because it felt too early and with all the injuries and the Packers trying to figure themselves out. This just felt like too early for this game. Six hundred is the magic number. That is the total yards between the two teams, 315, 285. I want to wow. see these guys play again in January. No, We knew this was not going to be some high-octane showdown. No, we knew it's kind of a bummer. I also like that the Brady-Rogers sort of like meet in the middle of the field was, you know. Little man. It was about as cold as Did it could be. Did you see the Josh Allen to a meet in the middle of the field? It was like they had just like played the most epic Super Bowl game. It was like I fe- think they were just totally Exhausted. Both it was like Federer and Nadal on a Friday night, just like crying on each other's shoulders. I know who they are. I know one of them's retiring. <laughs> yeah. Familiar so with them. It he was emotional, it. I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Two warriors of the clay. I don't know. I That's think a- this is a good sign for the Bucks. by the way. They'll be back. And a good sign that Romeo Dobbs looks like a real ball player there. They got some. He's a good player. Eight targets, eight catches. All right. Let's take a break, and then we continue on with the flagship show. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Your head. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. 
I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, we're back. Let's head next to the house that Bobby Kraft built. Jackson out of the gun on third and one. Fakes the handoff. Lamar will keep it. He's got room. He's to the five. He walks in. Touchdown. Lamar Jackson with a knockout shot. On third and one, Lamar sends them flying for the exits in Foxborough. I don't know, actually. I don't know if there was uh, taxpayer subsidies involved there, if it was all privately funded by the owner. We don't know. Right. That was about 20 years ago. Sure. He probably got a couldn't little, research little help, that. maybe. Lamar Jackson threw four touchdown passes, also ran for a touchdown. This guy's out of his mind right now. That was Jerry Sandusky, by the way, WBAL. And the Baltimore Ravens shook off that bad beat last week to the Dolphins with a win over another AFC East foe, the Patriots, 37-26. And now we welcome in a friend of the show. And, and just imagine, because now he's getting ready for his marriage. Right. Uh, the revenge body against any remaining body fat he might have. Imagine Shook's body on his wedding night. I'll just leave it there. What's up, Nick? Weird. Well. No, I think it's apt. Well, you put me... You put you put me in a strange position where now I'm imagining that, and uh, let's just leave it. We've thrown you off your axis, just Shooky. Um, you know, and by the way, Nick Shook, because we're going to be traveling to London Town uh, tonight, Shook's taking us home and closing out uh, the podcast with a little Sunday night football discussion. Uh, so thank you for that, Shook. Uh, Lamar Jackson, totally out of his mind. Today, he became the first player in the Super Bowl era, this is according to the AP, with three or more passing touchdowns and 100-plus rushing yards in back-to-back games. Um, he is unconscious. And, and the, the New England Patriots, who are not a bad defense, like everybody else, have no answers right now with Jackson. No, no answers. No answers whatsoever. They got him to throw an interception, and, and still that wasn't enough. They, they got one of his teammates to fumble, and it still wasn't enough, and especially in that final moment there where the Ravens do get the ball back, and Lamar puts it on his shoulders, goes right down the field, a couple of long completions, runs it in himself. As they said, the knockout blow in a game that the Patriots had every chance to come back and win it. Credit to the defense, of course, but Lamar is the headline with five total touchdowns. And you know, this is what I wrote in the What We Learned is every time he has a game like this, his price just increases. This is He just <laughs> kind of uh, punctuates what how important he is to this franchise. And, and the credit, really, and I know you guys have all noticed this through three weeks now, is the fact that, you know, Greg Roman has gotten so much, you know, criticism for their offense is predictable. They can only run the option with him. They still can't throw the football. They have answered those questions this season, thanks in large part to the development of Rashad Bateman. Devin Duvernay had a day today. We know what Mark Andrews brings to the table and Lamar delivering the ball to all of them. Mark Andrews made an incredible touchdown catch in this game over a defender. Uh, I think he had less than a yard of separation. He's basically, uh, the defender was in his lap when he caught the touchdown pass, but it's all thanks to Lamar being able to get the ball to him and his unpredictability. He can make, you know, guys miss 
even in the pocket, he avoided getting sacked by two rushers, Josh Uch and, uh, and Matthew Judon, both coming at the same time. Neither could get him. He extended the play, gets a first down, did that on a few occasions today. Not only keeps their offense afloat, but also allows them to explode for points at times. I mean, they put 37 points on the board today. It didn't even really feel like that many points. And yet this is who Baltimore is. So, I mean, he's, he's fantastic. As long as you have this version, this healthy version of Lamar, who's thriving in the passing game, obviously confident of his legs. He's a cheat code. Here's John Harbaugh who understands what he has and probably is nervous about what could happen after this season. They don't have him under contract. You know, has to tell me about Lamar Jackson. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I believe, I, I believe in him. I love him. I believe, you know, I, I just believe him the day, first day we draft him. I kind of like that, Greggy, because that's like, hey, remember, Lamar, we believed in you before anybody else. I mean, he's now, like, give us a discount. He's I'm not going not sure anywhere. That's gonna matter. <laughs> yeah, he's not going anywhere. You know, they can franchise. Like, he's not going anywhere. And uh, you're right. Nick, that the price goes up, but that, that's a great problem for them to have. It's a, it's the best version of Lamar Jackson we've ever seen. You know, as someone who at times almost felt like I was defending Lamar's play from the pocket during his MVP season, it's still okay to acknowledge that he's at another level right now as a passer and as a decision maker. He knows when to run, when not to run. I mean, the speed's still there. When, when they run QB power, he just goes. But I watch this game pretty closely, too, and – it honestly didn't feel like the Patriots were playing bad defense. They were getting beat by perfect plays that they were in position for. That just like, what can you do other than like tip their hat to the the, the throw to the corner of the end zone? I, who was that to? Duvernay was just like outrageous. It was outrageous. Duvernay with great job uh, getting his feet in, in bounds. But you talk about perfect plays. The perfect play to me was pulling a page out of Kansas City's playbook. The little uh, shovel pass to Mark Andrews along the goal line for an early touchdown. Andrews almost dropped the ball, hangs on and gets in the end zone. That's the the, the stuff that they can do now that they, they can they, it can hit you from all angles. It does not matter what situation they're in. Lamar is able to capitalize it on that. And you're right. You know, you're defending his pocket performance and everything. His MVP season, he was spectacular. But like you said, he's better now than he was then. Does he make a few mistakes here and there? Yeah, of course. But the the total picture, the total package, which you get heavily outweighs that. And if they can put it all together on a week-by-week basis, this is why we a lot of people had them win in the North. I mean, they look strong. I also thought this was the best game we'd seen from Mac Jones. And we just watched on the YouTube feed that he was obviously heavily limping at one point and looked was in agony after that game. We're waiting to find out what that injury was. That could essentially be their season. But did you, if, let's say he gets healthy again, was, did you think that Mac Jones played his best game of the, of the year so far? Uh, I mean, the bar's kind of low because they've been it's off to a slow low. start offensively through through two games. I don't think it was a great game, but it was good enough to win. Mac also kind of sunk them. He threw a pretty bad interception on a desperation heave in the back of the end zone in the fourth quarter uh, that had no chance. It was a prayer. And uh, and it wasn't his fault, of course, that Nelson Aguilar fumbled. Uh, that that should have been a nice catch and run that could have got them in position again. So it wasn't terrible. It wasn't a spectacular he game. He led the his NFL in completion sure. percentage over expected today. I thought he had some dimes. I thought it was an encouraging game. Yeah. Him and uh, for them to for them to put up 450 yards of offense is encouraging. You can't have the turnovers, but it was like a close game. You had uh, Aguilar, as you mentioned, running in Ravens territory, down five points with about five minutes to go. It wasn't like uh, it was a one sided game. But if he's out and there's some Twitter doctors believing uh, while they're prancing around uh, that it would might be a high ankle sprain, who knows? It might we be worse. If developing it's, if it's... news from Mike Giardi, Ooh, our this. reporter. The Patriots fear, and there is speculation still here, but this is. Giardi and we like Giardi. 
Patriots fear that Mac Jones suffered tendon and or ligament damage. That doesn't show on x-rays, so that there's still... But their fear, and as he's screaming, going down those very same steps that oh. Tom Brady once went down after blowing out his ACL in the uh, 08 opener, um, you have very huge concerns here, Shooky, about the Pats, because if they don't have Mac Jones... Like, who is their backup? Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Oh, my goodness. Season Brian over. I, I know he kind of looks like you, Shook, so that, that's personally, he's got a Browns tie, <laughs> but, like, that is that is not a good look. That's the recipe for 5-12. and 12. Yeah, I mean, you know what you get with him. It's a low ceiling. He's not going to make a ton of mistakes, but he's not going to elevate you in any Just degree. Just imagine him I, it's on kind his of a bummer. wedding night, Shooky. Brian Hoyer. Uh, why why I mean, should we? I would rather not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to say this. Devontae yeah. Parker just imagine Brian Hoyer there on your Patriot. wedding night. Well, now How about getting, he just like, storms uh, in? Now it's getting more uh, uncomfortable. Might as well, might as well show draft fault. day at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Let's, Sorry, Shooky. Let's move on. Oh, 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 yes. Mr. Sessler, Lock Brothers Inc. Once again. And the great, great Lock It Up, ATN Lock It Up on Twitter, let us know with an, a, an excellent NES uh, throwback uh, cover for a, a hypothetical video game in which we lock games. The properly. Lock Bros. The Lock Bros. Uh, we are now 11-2 and two when we tag team a lock, so that's something to keep in well, mind. Well, I had suggested after week one when Dan and I did this shook that we'd, we locked up a team and we won. I was like, let's do this every week. It's like, no, it's not. But actually, that's a great idea because we're dominant when we team up. <laughs> but it's got to be the right I think we've showed when we are both aligned, it's almost always right. Right. I just picked blindly, yeah. and then you seem to do the same. So, <laughs> um, I have a trophy that says otherwise. All right, Chuck, let's move on. Well, so do I. <laughs> to Carolina. Bankfield in the shotgun. Pumps. He's got LaVisca Chenault. His first catch is the Panther. Oh, He's got the 40. Make 45, a miss. 50. Make Chenault a guy miss. Make two misses. in front. Three press. Ahead. Touchdown. LaVisca Chenault. That guy, Anish Shroff of WBT with the call. Uh, that is LaVisca Chenault, who was acquired in a late training camp trade, inactive the first couple games. Now he gets, a, he gets a big opportunity and makes the most of it with a 67-yard touchdown pass from Baker Mayfield in the fourth quarter. And it is the Carolina Panthers that defeat the New Orleans Saints 22-14. to It snaps a nine-game losing streak. From Matt Rule's team, maybe my pep talk on the Friday fun, fun Show had an effect. I like to think so. Shooky, Baker only threw for 170, but with the way I guess New Orleans is playing offensively, you don't he needs to make a ton of plays right now. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a hater, but that throw that we just showed was Baker's best throw of the day, and he had to throw it about 15 yards to the flat, and LaVisca Chenault did the rest of the work. I mean, it, it's still an offense that, is struggling. Christian McCaffrey broke 100 yards on the ground again, but they got the win, and that's the most important thing. And a lot of it has to do with the Panthers' defense, which gave up a ton of yards but did not break. They bent a lot, but they did not break, uh, and they made some key plays. Mike, one of my favorite guys in this team for the last few years, Frankie Luba, with a nice strip of Alvin Kamara early in that oh, game. Oh, Frankie! And they returned that. You know, hey, oh, Frankie! Hey, you get back up five play. yards, yeah, get more exactly. space, open up your playbook. You, you can run something else. <laughs> Absurd. Hey, who needs Baker Mayfield when you got Frankie Louvu over there? Hey, Uncle Tony, what do you think about Frankie? Uh, but yeah, this, I like this defense, uh, 
Yeah, you know, the, the Snow Patrol, Greg, this is your group, the Snow Patrol. They made their That's first right. appearance this season. They got a takeaway, and that was enough because the Saints offense can't get out of its own way. Jameis finally connected with Chris Olave once. It felt like a, a holiday because he missed him about four more times. This offense is struggling for New Orleans right now, and it's a surprise they even got 14 points. Yeah, I'm reading here that Michael Thomas, Jarvis Landry, and Traquan Smith all leave with injuries in the second half. Anything serious there potentially? Uh, Thomas was left for, with a foot. Jarvis, I don't think, returned. He got hurt pretty early. Traquan Smith came in because Jarvis was hurt and ended up making a difference, but none of it mattered. Uh, I think we'll have to stay tuned. And they're heading to London, so. which is – that is not a good sign. Like, the, their offense should be much better this year because they have all these receivers, uh, but it hasn't been through three, game, through three games. Well, I don't think you have a healthy quarterback either. Right, and I, I think there's questions there. This is a very interesting time, I think, for the Saints heading over to London to play Minnesota. We'll, we'll be there at that game. And I, I just get the sense there's a lot of tension and there's a lot of pressure on this group because they kept everyone together. And I'm just keeping an eye out on for drama with this Saints team. I'm just keeping an eye out. That's all. Mm, you know, we'll, we're going to be you, in the You city. want a drama nugget? Yeah. Yeah, let's hear some Please. drama nugs. Notice today, first sideline shot of Andy Dalton. Mm. Well, that's – look, I think he maybe should be playing in this game. The, the, Jameis has uh, fractures in his back. But that's more like a, a nugget of, you know, the Fox announcers keying in on a potential storyline. You're not saying, was there a shot of, like, Andy Dalton looking suspicious or looking like <laughs> a, an eye roll after a Jameis Winston pass sailed over a receiver's head? Anything like that. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> Andy Dalton only has one expression, stoic. And I mean, those eyebrows, the, yeah. the ginger man's eyebrows, they are very expressive. I'm not sure that was a nugget, but I, I mean, it, we'll note it. We'll note it. <laughs> it's noted. It's a crumb. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, anything else? Yeah, think about with the Saints, by the way. They have a near miraculous win against the Falcons in week one. They are that close to 0-3 right now. So, Greg, you're right. And when you have a banged up team now, including a, a quarterback reportedly playing with four fractures in his back, Enjoy the 10-hour plane ride and uh, the strange week to come in London and the out-of-your-sorts unique prep week to come. This is a tough spot for them. Woo-wee. Their opponent feeling good? Shooky, we're feeling good about you closing out the show. So thank you. We'll say goodbye for now, and then you'll rejoin the audience and a little fireside chat with the great Nick Shook. Yeah, you know, come into my office. We'll chat, and they'll be on a plane. Safe travels, guys. Thank you, buddy. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Shook. All right, let us there goes nick shook always a pro speaking of the vikings the opponent of the saints in london they're feeling good Hudson's out of the shotgun with no timeout trailing 24 21 takes the snap straight drop he's gonna fire right yes tj Versich, KFAN. I mean, the bongo we just named. Yeah, the know. Lions team of ATL. Read wow. the room, Graver. Read Graver. the room. This is not a celebration. You want us to celebrate? It was a great back and forth game. Oh, no. Oh, I, mean, I mean, that's not how this works, Graver. I don't think we could put you on the plane after this. There, there, okay. Well, but he's traveling with our equipment. Yeah. Maybe oh, in, with oh her. His, his other significant other. Yes, so she needs. You she know, can do my job in London. No, Mark's angling to spend time with your. <laughs> that girlfriend. is inaccurate. She is a very nice person, and but I. It's, it's just take, just take the L here, Graver. <laughs> take this L.
Eat the it. Minnesota Vikings come back on the Detroit Lions, the team of ATL. K.J. Osborne with that go-ahead 28-yard touchdown pass from Kirk Cousins with 45 seconds to play. And it was a tough one, boys. You know, I was watching this with my brother, Kevin Danger, hands us today. And they have it. They have it. They're up 24-14 in the second half in this game. They get a huge stop. Minnesota turned the ball over on downs, and it's 47 with 2.32 to go. Wow. And Detroit takes over. They get in position where Dan Campbell has a has an option with a, a, about 70 seconds left in regulation. Go for it. Punt the ball away. Play defense and hold off. Or try a 54-yard field goal from Austin Seibert. They, that's what he goes with. He pushes it wide right, mm. gives the Vikings a short field, and Kirk Cousins does the rest. After the game, this is what Dan Campbell had to say. He took some ownership here. I regret that decision 100%. I really do, Dave. I, I, I hate it, and uh, I do feel like I cost our team. I really do, man. And that's great. And being accountable as a head coach is very important. But it is, once again, another reminder with the Lions, and they're a fun watch. Um, not as fun today when they lose their top wide receiver and their top running back to injuries. But um, they haven't figured out really how to win yet. And this, this has been hap- this happened last year, but they were more talent poor last year. They're still learning how to win games, and they let this one get away. They should not have lost this game. It's going to be a tough one to swallow, especially if they are what we think, Mark, which is a team that could be frisky and hanging around in December in the playoff race. Well, now another team that could be in that wild card race has a big tiebreaker. Oh. Well, they are they are frisky. Right. Like, I mean, I, you know, they would have been nice to pull this out because it's a division game, and it would have confirmed the fact that, again, they ran the ball really well. Uh, I just think they've got wep- they've got weapons that people wouldn't have expected in the passing game. I mean, we knew St. Brown was good, but Josh Reynolds had six catches for 96 days. I don't know if you need or want Jared Goff to th- be throwing the ball 41 times, but I don't think Goff, who I think gets typically kind of just slammed and panned by people, like I Greg's think he's right been, here, just but so he's been playing that's pretty not true. well. No, I, I don't think you have, but I'm just like you guys he's are been usually playing pretty well. He's playing playing fine. I've killed Goff for well, years. Well, do you want to know in part the reason why he's throwing the ball a lot? They had the ball. Uh, a lot in this game. They ran a ton of plays, but also uh, DeAndre Swift is having, he has a recurring issue here. Is it a foot or an ankle? I I think he has an ankle injury, but now he also has a shoulder injury on top of that. So he's banged up and Amon Ross St. Brown is hurt in this game and he's banged up. And you saw when you take those two guys out of a primary role in the offense, they kind of came down to earth and that's going to affect Jared Goff because like we've said with Goff, if he has these weapons and the offensive line is protecting him, he could absolutely light up a defense. Right. Uh, but they were definitely hurt by the injuries. And to credit the Vikings, that was a game that was slipping away. It looked like it was over after that midfield turnover. And they showed some gumption, boys, after especially a very ugly Monday night loss to Philly. Right. 24-14, entering the fourth quarter division game. That's massive. The Lions... Injuries, as you mentioned, have been cascading. I mean, they've been missing two or three offensive linemen this whole season, and and then with your weapons, you feel for them. And uh, Lions fans, you know, I, I guess we're being welcomed into your den, in, into your den. There you go. 
And um, this was a painful one. Don't put it on us. Uh, you know, I but, hope that's not the well, case. No, no one would. They wouldn't because this has been happening before we came along. But I do – From somehow I feel a little responsible that they were up 24-14 in our first game and then have just like a total heartbreaker. No, I take no responsibility. This team has been losing for like four eons. Like we, we, it, we've jumped on and there is, there is an interesting a team as they've been since we've been born. It's it's too bad that 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 game winning touchdown by Cousins too. It was a confusion. Uh, what? That's not. I mean, there were a couple of Wayne Fonts teams back in oh, the day. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I forgot Mitchell. about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, but this but, uh, this is getting there. Bad miscommunication in the secondary right. on that winning touchdown. The t- touchdown. Nobody says it that way. That'd be weird if I did. <laughs> Jeff Okuda has had a good game. He's a guy that's a, a, a bright spot. We talked about Rodrigo. That's huge because he looked a like a bust. Spot. Um, but. What they did, they shut down Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson got, again, uh, quieted. Uh, that's two straight weeks after looking completely unstoppable in week one. So there, there are definitely positives because what I really wanted to see from the Lions is growth on defense because that's when you could really start to buy in. And if they just could have gotten that last mm. stop. But Dan Campbell's right. He should have never went for that field goal. Unless you got Justin Tucker, you should have punted that ball away, in my opinion, pinned them, and then – Give your defense a real shot to get a stop. Hmm. They're not good enough to make that stop at midfield at this point, and I think Campbell knew it, and he instantly had regrets. Interesting, because he it. wanted he would have gone for it, right? right? Or go for it, yeah. or go for it. What was the down and distance? It was fourth and four at the thirty-six. I mean, and they, so you're the, in an the, in-between area where punts are are the weird. The Lions have been like one of the heaviest fourth down go for it teams in the NFL you know over what? the last few seasons. Fourth and four at the thirty-six. Yeah, that's a go for me. But I, I Evans don't, to Betsy. It is. It is, Mark. It's <laughs> a go. Not, that is not from right now. Just to confirm. So, Justin so. Jefferson Kirk with 14. does it again, though. You know, 10 a.m. It's like. It, that was. <laughs> we talked about it on Thursday. That was so. As, he looked as bad as any quarterback in the league on Monday night against the Eagles. And, of course, he comes back. And he wasn't lights out tonight. He missed. He, today, he missed some throws. But. He made the one. He's wide open too. I don't like this Justin Jefferson fourteen yards business off six targets. I mean, they're that's they've got to figure that out. When you it? when you have the year he had as a rookie, and then you're one of the defining storylines of Week One. Obviously, teams are like all the way zoned in on him, and it's on our friend Kevin right. O'Connell. But they weren't ignoring him before. Remember either. what the storyline after Week One? Oh, now he's being moved around, and now we know how to use him <laughs> right. to his best abilities. It's like, all right, now what, Kev? <laughs> Well, I mean, well, we, right. we were the ones saying that, and you're no. Making everyone Kevin was go, saying yeah, that. Yeah. That was like the, it was one little kick out the door for Mike Zimmer and his previous staff. Like you didn't actually even know how to use this dude. All right, well, some now find a way to adapt to the adapts adapts to the adjustments being made. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Let's take a break. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. All right, we're back. Let us move on. Check in with the defending champs. It's a jet sweep. Cooper Cup's got the edge. 20, 10. Cooper Cup, speed to burn. Touchdown, LA! Did Cooper Cup score today? It's Sunday. Of course he did. Uh-oh. That's why J.B. Long is one of the best. Nice line. KSPN. Cooper Cup with a 20-yard Touchdown run at that point in the game. He was the team's leading receiver and rusher. That's what he means to this offense. And it wasn't a big offensive day by the Rams. Matthew Stafford, in fact, didn't throw a touchdown pass. I don't know if that's happened since he's joined Los Angeles. But the defense, the defense, a true great team. He can do it on both sides. And they shut down and throttle Kyler Murray. 2012 final. Rams over cards. Rams approved to 2-1. and one. Cards fall to 1-2. and two. Um... You know, a funky, weird game um, in some ways. Not the most thrilling game. Uh, not a, not the shootout maybe some of us thought it could have been. Uh, Allen Robinson let a goal line pass go through his hands. That could have been a touchdown for Stafford. Uh, Kyler Murray threw for 314 yards, but he did it on 58 attempts. And, you know, the Hollywood Brown move is working. Let's start with the cards in that he certainly does have that chemistry with Kyler, and he went 14 for 140 on 17 targets. But there was a moment in this game when they were down late by two scores, and they took over deep in their own end, the Cardinals. And you kind of need urgency, and you need quick, quick, a quick score there to stay alive. And there just wasn't there, Mark. They they have an inability to be explosive on offense, and there's too much wait for Kyler to bring magic. Worked last week, not this week. Yeah, I mean, if you take the 20 minutes or so last week where the Cardinals turned electric – their offense has been a sputtering disaster, uh, lacking urgency. I mean, I think it is a coaching to some degree when you know, you're playing a good Rams defense, except a Rams defense that got flamed by Buffalo and put a, allowed a bunch of points against the Falcons. So this shouldn't have been a, an invisible spot for, for Arizona if their offense is for real. They start with four punts, none of those drives Three of those drives don't go for more than eight yards. One mm. doesn't. Go, the one goes for 16. Then you're kicking field goals. Do you want to be a field goal offense? Try to survive in this division in the NFC in general. I I just see a team that we this they started slow last week too. Kyler started slow. The parts around him did, and it it, it, it seems to just be a, a problem to get going early and to keep pace with the team. You can't, you can't attempt to come back every week. And if you're going to, you can't do it in sluggish nature that we saw today. Yeah, I think the Rams are just trying to survive this early portion of the season. They were down two more cornerbacks on, on top of their other injuries. Uh, they lost Havenstein in this game. I don't know if he returned their, their right tackle, which would be uh, a massive injury. And they're just – it almost feels like they're just kind of warming up into this season, and it's nice if you can get some wins along the way, which they've done. They also got Aaron Donald uh, a sack today, and that's his 100th. He is the fastest defensive tackle in the history of the NFL to reach – 100 sacks. Reportedly a quality player. Yes. Uh, Yeah, and that's 
Well, we were talking about it last Sunday, uh, Mark. I feel the same way after this game, where the Rams are not playing at peak efficiency by any stretch. Uh, but this is – they maybe have a quote-unquote Super Bowl hangover, but they're, they've won two of three here and they're to start the season, and, and you assume they're going to get better. Um, one aspect of the game that was getting better and then ceased to be getting better because you cannot fumble – near the goal line when you have a chance to ice a game. Cam Akers, he was, you know, he was going to be the highlight. He took over early in the second half and had a great uh, drive where he carved up the cards. You were going to reward him. To you, that's like the, that's one of the most important things you do as a host is Uh, reward players with highlights. Yeah. You got to reward people for achievements and hard work. And Daniel is flying tonight on a plane. Reward yourself, potentially. Cam Akers had a 14-yard touchdown run. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? That's nice. The Rams need a running game. And just when you start to feel good about it, yes, he coughs the ball up in the fourth quarter, gives the Cardinals life. But like I said, and and Cam and McVay had a moment on the sidelines where it didn't seem like he was headed to the doghouse. It was more like, bro, Protect it. We're going to be all right. Like Belichick would have buried him under six feet underground. He'd be gone. He would be gone. So the Rams, fine. Move on. Get the W. The Cardinals still very unimpressive other than a magical second half and big time play in overtime. That's where we're at with this. Oh, and by the way, you, you get all hot in the pants, Greg, about Tony Romo and this and that. I only care about Sundays with Sanchez now. Okay. Mark fine. Sanchez is uh, the breakout star for me of the commentator game right now. And uh, he said some funky stuff last week, and it led us to wondering, did he just even admit that he has a like a joke writer? Um, here is another Sunday with Sanchez. <laughs> I just love his game. He's going to have to change his name to Shakira, man. Whatever, whatever, wherever. That guy's ready to play some football. He was talking about Squarneck. Uh, that's a 22-year-old uh, Shakira single. So, and it's not even I mean, like a, a hips look, don't lie reference. I don't know, even know that Shakira's that was like, like a, a lot of people. Yes, like, you she do. Was a huge, yes, you do. She was a huge star so. in Colombia and around the world. And then she okay. put out an English speaking language and had that as the big breakout hit. It was like 1999. Yeah, but like, Greg, it's like, it's like, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Let's <laughs> not be together. Unless you've been locked in a house. But the way he said it, like, you don't, like, the words, like, the lyrics aren't what you think of when you think of Shakira. And Shakira and Skwarnik don't even sound alike. I mean, it was like, like that's a stretch. Uh, well, you know, yeah. these are pre-planned there's no, bits. There's, there's nothing, no I don't know what's Certainly, going on. Certainly um, a stretch whenever, wherever, released October 2nd, 2000. You're right. I do remember that yeah. song I mean, that's just, But it's like you hearing the Mark albums, Sanchez but... say the words, whatever, whenever, his hips, I don't know, it's just like, didn't. Also, like, I wish someone didn't. for Shakira would have helped her out. She named her first album, uh, laundry service. That's just not a great album title. But, you know, the career was launched anyway. Oh, we have a lock. Oh, that's right. I locked it up. All right, there you go. I've locked against the Cardinals all three weeks. Really? Um, unfortunately, they've played the they played the Panthers next wow, week. That's look at sort you. Of, and, well, it, and you're two and, and one. And it would have so been not, perfect know. if it wasn't for that little guy, Kyler. It would have been perfect, week. too, if it wasn't the guy with a giant helmet and the little feet. <laughs> Uh, let's move on. Check in with uh, what happened across the street. Bloodbath for the other L.A. team. They give us to James Robinson. He's got it in more. 40, 35, 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown on fourth down. James Robinson broke loose for the score. Yeah, I just realized Greg doesn't even, because he was born age 32 standing up, he doesn't even know the pop culture reference he just dropped, the Scooby-Doo reference. 
Greg actually turned into a bad guy from Scooby-Doo. Right. And I would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't that for was, you rotten That was kids. the point. That was the point. You don't know that bit. You don't know that, ref. Everyone knows the bit. <laughs> <laughs> At the, you know, the amusement park. I mean, we know it from watching off. Scooby-Doo. He knows it because other people have referenced Scooby-Doo. That's Is that Frank, what you're saying? Frank Frangie of the Jaguars Radio Network with the call. James Robinson, man, he's looked good all year long coming off that Achilles injury. He ran for 100 on the nose and a touchdown. Trevor Lawrence stacking good games now, 262 and three touches. And guess what? The Jaguars beat up the Chargers and the beat up Justin Herbert, 38 to 10. Whoa! And Mark... Tell us it wasn't this bad. And by the way, the Jaguars snap an 18-game road losing streak. You know what? I don't I don't like the way I set you up there, Mark. The Chargers will get to. But how about these Jaguars? I, I tell you, like Doug Peterson, it's one of the things where it could have gone sideways because all offseason long we sort of guaranteed that they'd be – I'm stop, Angelo. I don't think he is right now. I don't think he is because it's working. Like we said, Trevor Lawrence would benefit, be the primary beneficiary, and he is. Like, when is the last time, if it's ever happened, that at one point the Jaguars today, field goal, field goal, in a row, touchdown, field goal, end of half, you know, it was like one play, touchdown, 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 and just sent the Chargers into another dimension. But now, to be fair, I think number one, two weeks in a row, Trevor Lawrence has made major steps. And I think if you watch this game, what I think about him is that he seems to, and it's so clear this just wasn't the case in last year's disorganized attack. He's well coached. He seems calm. He at one point had a rusher all over him and made a calm completion. It's like last year this stuff was not happening. He's got great chemistry with Christian Kirk. James Robinson's running the ball the way that you mentioned. And they were playing a Chargers team that were extremely vulnerable. It starts with the fact that Justin Herbert is playing with cracked rib cartilage and it shows. I think he's he doesn't want to he he there he's not wanting to take the hits. I think his down downfield velocity is, is affected. That said, he had a throw in this game that kind of reminded me of last week after he took the hit and made the incredible completion. But Joey Bosa went out of this game. Kenneth Murray went out. That had a lot to do with zero pass rush and getting run all over. Rashawn Slater, your star left tackle is gone. Corey Lindsley was gone after last week. So your, your offensive line is reduced by two quality players. Keenan Allen wasn't in this game. J.C. Jackson wasn't. So Kenneth Murray left with an injury. Jalen Guyton. Yeah. Like yeah. These, this is unbelievable. Yeah, so I mean, it, that doesn't take away from the fact that Jacksonville just... They took advantage of that and blew the doors off. But this wasn't the Chargers team that we expected to see. And Brandon Staley, this is a bad loss. I mean, I don't care what who's injured. Everyone's yeah. got injuries. This is just a bad loss. Brandon, Lindsay, I think Brandon Staley's lost. How is Justin Herbert playing with two minutes to go in this game with uh, damaged ribs that you don't know if he's going to recover from that at any point this season? If you have a chance to get him out of the game and not take any more hits and prepare for the next game, what, what are we doing, man? They, um, you know, responded, Staley did, by saying, Justin, that was up to Justin. No. And it's like, Same as last week. It's not up to Justin. He's like, he insisted he didn't want to let down his team. It's like, you can make decisions uh, on on how to handle your best players, that those are important. Now, the Chargers are are devastated, I think, after this game for for a number of reasons, but you still want them to handle it better. Lindsay Theory... Uh, or Thury of uh, ESPN said the locker room cleared out as quickly as Uh-oh. I've ever seen from a home team in the NFL. And she said it, it was interesting that today's a crossroads for them, how it was handled. Only two team captains available after the game to address the loss 
with reporters. Uh-oh. And hmm. you of all the injuries, and they, they're really concerning. Joey Bosa with with the groin, and you know Keenan Allen didn't play in this game. They've really missed Lindsey. They're they're not the same. I mean, Lindsey right. is a Pro Bowl type center. The injury to Rashawn Slater, and, and we'll get the the final word on what there it is. But to me, it doesn't sound good. That could absolutely change the the course of their season. Because if you're starting Storm Norton and Trey Pipkins for a long time or for the rest of the season, it's just even if Herbert's healthy, it's not the same. This is the most ominous feeling we've had about any team we've discussed on this show so far. This season, ominous I would vibes say. This would about say. the Chargers right now. Yeah, for a team that is historically disappointed. There are a lot of breadcrumbs. It's still very early. It's only three games. J.C. Jackson didn't play. It, that's five Pro Bowlers. Literally five Pro Bowlers. Let's give the Jaguars just a little bit of love, though. I mean, James, yeah. James Robinson. That division's theirs for the taking, by the yeah, way. James, it is theirs. James the Robinson has come right back now. off an Achilles better than any running back in my memory. He has in made all the difference. Like, Urban Meyer is at home watching this being like, hmm, that guy should have maybe uh, leaned into that guy, James Robinson. That Like, that guy's good. The Crazy thing about Trevor Lawrence though, is I don't think he's did he look did he have to make spectacular plays? No, I think no, it's no, nice no. almost that he's not making spectacular plays the last two weeks. He looks like a system quarterback that and they're building him up because I think the spectacular plays because of his talent will come. The fact that they're this good with him just kind of uh, moving the ball with quick throws is a great sign. Yeah, I don't think it's I don't think they're putting it on him to make those kind of plays yet. But his floor is raised a lot, a lot. It's awesome. Good job. Jack's fans deserve it. Among the best fans in the NFL. All right. <laughs> According let's, to Greg. I mean, I don't disagree, but I don't know how we're measuring that. So let's move on. Let's talk. <laughs> Zeuser's got work to do on that plane, by the way, because I do the power rankings. And the Dolphins just beat the Bills. And it's like, do the Dolphins, are they the number one team? In are you going to put rankings? them over the Bills? For Is that sure? how this works, though? Yet. Just because of, I mean, it was. I got to watch it. Right. But I mean,. I don't know. I gotta watch I mean, it, but there's a case to be made. Yeah, but where were they before the Dolphins? I think seven or something. I think there is one other team though that I maybe if I feel like it's too soon for the Dolphins to get that type of love, there's a team in the NFC East. Mm. Oh, I like it. You're right about this. Hurts back. Hurts looking. Hurts firing. Devontae Smith touchdown. He caught it in the corner of the end zone <laughs> again. He went skyward. The Slim Reaper. How did they get that off? You know what? They don't have a number one and a number two receiver. They have two number ones. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Philly is lit. And <laughs> Merrill Reese is as caught up in the hype machine as everybody else. But you know what? Hype isn't the right word because we're seeing results, not receipts. Results. Jalen Hurts the Devonta Smith for the touchdown. And once again, it is the Eagles who are just dominating with an easy win, 24-8 over the Washington Commanders, uh, who are down 24-zip in this game before safety. Obviously, they got a attack on score here um, to make it somewhat respectable. But, Mark, um, both sides of the ball humming for the Eagles right now. Absolutely. I mean, think of what their secondary did to Minnesota a week ago. This game, different units step up entirely, and it's the offense who, at halftime had 322 yards to 50 for Washington. And that was not with a tilted time of possession. It was rel- It was essentially even. They just, Jalen Hurts just simply caught fire in a disconnection with Devonta Smith. And it is A.J. Brown who, like, 
if you're going to handle one, you can't handle the other. And it is a true pick-your-poison type scenario. And Jalen Hurts makes all of it so much harder to defend because if you're off him, off he goes. And the defense, on the flip side, you know, Carson Wentz, we've seen him go good half, bad half. And so certainly we saw the bad half again. So would the script follow the way it did last week? Well, there was no chance for it to because the Eagles absolutely separated Carson Carson Wentz into about 45 parts with a... (laughs) No team's done this. That's, nine sacks. Well, that doesn't sound like a game pass I want to watch. That we're, nine guys, sacks in this game. Are you, are you guys interested in a reel of Carson Wentz I asked for this, so yes, I am. Here it is. Back goes Wentz. He's looking. He is sacked. They got him. Sack number one. Wentz back. Wentz pumps. And they've hit him again. Back goes Wentz. He is being tripped up. And there's sack number four. He's being harassed. He's hit again. They've got him. Here comes the rush. They've got him again! And that would be sack number now. nine. I don't know why. It, it does. It but feels it, But it was mean. like every four minutes in this game. And I, you know, Wentz certainly is someone who's going to hold on to the ball and walk into a couple of these. We've seen that before. It didn't look like he had a chance in no, what we just because saw there. I think Washington's line has not been that bad this season. It's not been a, that has not been the story every game. But like he did have no chance. And their offense was completely defunct and there was no comeback in this one. Mm. I want to hear uh, from Jalen Hurts here because one of my favorite quotes of the young season came from Jalen Hurts talking about Devonta Smith, who, by the way, had a, a career-high 169 yards and a touchdown on those eight catches. Uh, A.J. Brown also had a good day and a touchdown. So, yes, they are humming here. Here's what uh, Jalen Hurts had to say about Devonta Smith. By the eyes, he may be a little sly, but he, he plays like a big boy, and he, and he is. When, when his number's called, I know he answer the phone. By the eyes, he might be a little slight, but he plays like a big boy. He's a guy when his number's called, I know he'll answer the phone. Yeah, I couldn't nice believe quote. I couldn't believe the the narrative after week one of like like, whoa, is Devonta Smith gonna get lost in this offense? Like, have you watched Devontae Smith play football? The only concern I ever had is that that he stays on the field. Because you look at him and he is slight. Uh, but he's tough despite that. And They have two ones. That was a great way to put it. He is an incredible young receiver. They've, Everyone hits on early receivers lately, except for Jalen Rager. Like, you can't miss. Every early receiver the last few years has been amazing. And and coming off of that package we looked at of Wentz getting hit, Brandon Graham had five QB hits alone. They had 17. They're putting up crooked numbers in terms of QB hits. I've never heard of 17. Is that a record? I mean, if you have 17 QB hits and then you have the offense playing the way it is, it's pretty much perfect. It looks like it. There's just there's no overt weakness at this point. My way too early week three MVP rankings, I got Lamar, Hurts, Josh Allen. One, two, three. I think that's right. Yeah. That that would be my now, top three. That is an unbelievable situation they have cooking in Philly. Now, like we saw with the Bills, things change. They will be challenged soon enough uh, and they will, you know, even go down. And they have to stay healthy. They don't want to be the next Chargers. But where this team is, you get why everybody, including Merrill Reese, is feeling This is better than I ever could have incredible. imagined. But one of the reasons I, I picked them to make the, or win the Super Bowl was because I thought they could get the one seed because the schedule is cake. And you look at the schedule ahead, and they're going to be decent-sized favorites until about week 11. Yeah, they are well set up to get the number one seed potentially, uh, especially with the issues for the Cowboys this year. All right, let's take a break and then uh, roll on. Welcome. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Back. All right. The defending AFC champions don't have a win entering week three. What happened at the Meadowlands? Let's talk about it. Burrow back to throw. Blitz coming. Throws over the nice. middle. Caught by Tyler Boyd. Breaks nice. away. Two defenders. Sprinting down the middle of the field to the 20. It, 15, 10, 5. Yeah. Lunges for the end zone. <laughs> Touchdown. Nice. Bengals on the final play of the quarter as Tyler Boyd pinballed off two defenders and took it to the house. You guys know that's one of my favorite things. I love the partner in the booth who just forgets that he's being paid and is just cheering for his team. I mean, they are getting paid it. by the Bengals. So, yeah, I mean, that felt desperate, though. That felt like we're 0 2 and we need this. Dan Horde and Dave Lapham with the call WCKY. Joe Burrow and the Bengals. You know, it was too easy today. They got the big win and the offense looked like the offense for the first time in a long time. I mean, even before the playoffs. Burrow threw three touchdown passes. The defending AFC champions, they get that first win over the season. They just take out the Jets 27-12. to 12. Uh, They made some – Greg, you've taken some pot shots at uh, Zach Taylor in recent days, and I thought he made a, a smart move. He picked up the black polo, and he pulled it over his head, <laughs> and he said, I know we always – when we win the coin toss, we defer to the second half, but we need some more urgency. Okay. They win the coin toss for the first time. I think since Taylor's been the coach, they say we take the ball, they go right down the field, they score a touchdown, and that was kind of over at that point. And, and you know, the score looks like it wasn't a total blowout, but this game never felt competitive. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals were a much better, more complete team, cleaner team, less mistakes, better um, protection of Joe Burrow. The running game is still a little meh, but other than that, hmm. took care of business against the Jets team that other than – a two-minute miracle there against the Browns has been bad. I mean, you talked about the Chargers as the most ominous team that we've discussed. And so tonight, I think you're right. But as of a couple days ago, it kind of was the Bengals because they were in a rough, rough spot. And you're right. I mean, th- th- this is a get-right game, and, and I'm not sure it's a true measuring stick against the Jets team that... Uh, Just got to get know, a W. They have issues. But yeah. they came out and got... They came out and did it. I thought Burrow looked good from what I saw. But I am concerned because I think what set them up in weeks prior where they can't soften up a defense is that ground game. And I don't. when I see Joe Mixon running for 24 yards off of 12 carries, that is not what was happening last year when they were good prior to the playoffs and in the playoffs. They were dominating teams, especially in their own division, with the ground game. And so I just want to see that 
down the stretch fix itself, or I don't think this is a Bengals are fine situation. Well, this is probably Joe Flacco's uh, last start, at least in this stretch of games. Zach Wilson's reportedly uh, going to be ready for next week. There's no reason to think that that they're not going right back to him. Uh, what what were you most disappointed by? Because I'm actually surprised. You know, we talked before the show, and you were pretty down on the defense, Dan. Mm. But, you know, I look at the box score, and it doesn't look too bad. Five yards per play for the Bengals. You know, a, a game where they lose the turnover margin four to one, I would be, you know, normally pointing more fingers at, at the offense. But you seem disappointed that, like, Salah's defense, which does look good on paper, and I think it's had moments this year, but it's been it's been a little up and down. I'll tell you what I like about the defense. Obviously, they did a good job stopping the run this week, last week, against the Browns, not so much. Um, they give up too many big plays. There's too many miscommunications. Mm-hmm. I like Sauce Garden a lot, and he he played a role in, um, once again, Jamar Chase being very quiet. He even got in Jamar Chase's head a little bit, I thought, at, at a po- point in this game, even though Chase did have a touchdown, 6 for 29. But in general, the defense has been a difference maker. The pass rush does not get home. Uh, for all the talk we heard about how deep their front seven is, how Carl Lawson's back, I'm just I'm not seeing them taking that step defensively. And on on the Flacco side of things, listen, you could argue for a, t- a team that's um, in transition and trying to build. This is kind of fine the way it ended up playing out because there's no there's no indecision here. Flacco cannot move, and more problematic beyond just the Stone Age pony aspect of it is he can't hold on to the ball. You every time this guy gets hit, that ball is out. So in addition to having zero mobility and to make off-platform plays, he is a turnover machine. He threw two interceptions, fumbled a bunch of times. It's time to move to Zach and see what he can do. And if he can't, it could get ugly. You got to find out. Got to find out. We got to find out now. But good win by Cincinnati. They get to one and two, and um, I think they got some of their mojo back too. Let's see if that carries over. Let's now move on to. What went down in Nashville? Speaking of teams that need a W. They get it off. Carr throws short. Got it away. It was hit by Cole. And then Byard knocked it down. It's 24-22. to 22. Nice job underneath by Cole. Job by Byard, too. You knew right where they were going with it. <laughs> Mike Keith, Dave McGinnis on the call. WGFX. Yes, the Raiders pulled within two late, but it was the defense that gets that stop. The failed two-point conversion is the difference for the Titans who get that win in the cornered animal game, 24-22 over the winless, still winless Raiders. And I believe there was a report after the game that Josh McDaniels, oh, by the way, now off to another rough start to a coaching career. Although he got off to a really good start in Denver. 6-0. Before things absolutely imploded. He's going the opposite direction, and I believe there was a report that he had a meeting with the uh, A long meeting with Mark Davis before yeah. the press conference. So it's not just like you're no going to have bueno. this meeting, mm. uh, but we're going to have this meeting in a way that every reporter knows you're having No it. bueno. Mm. All right, Gravedigger. I know, although bad job by you, uh, Justin, let's be fair. You should not have picked against your team. Reverse jinx. Uh, no. You know, maybe you learned from that. Uh, Ryan Tannehill throws for 264. He has two touchdowns, one passing, one rushing. Derrick Henry finally gets going a little bit. How, in the first game, post-Taylor Luan, losing your left tackle uh, to a knee injury, how are you feeling about them at the end of this game? Still a lot of concern, to be honest. The defense was allowing the Raiders to pretty much march up and down the field, but it was nice to see the offensive line got some real push in the run game. 
in this one, and that has not been the case the first two weeks. Henry had some holes. He was also bouncing off defenders, spinning down the field, picking up yards after contact, just like Derrick Henry that we've gotten used to. So it was nice to see that even without Taylor Lewan, they could run the ball effectively. The pass protection wasn't great, but Tannehill did a good job getting the ball out and avoiding pressure, except for one near-disaster strip sack that the Titans jumped on. Pamina. At the end of the game. That, Imagine that. That, that could have been pretty terrible. But um, Raver's not on the plane if that happened. I mean, they didn't score in the second half, so you yes. must have been sweating. It felt very much like the Raiders-Cardinals game, but the difference reverse, here, here yeah. is like the two-point conversion doesn't uh, happen for yeah. the Raiders. It the Raiders like, aren't that close to being winning a couple of these games. It felt like the Titans-Giants week one game where the Titans get up to a big halftime lead and then completely do nothing on offense in the second half. That's and give up some big plays. The Titans' run defense also didn't look very good. The the Raiders ran the ball 19 times. That they averaged um, six point. Sorry, they averaged 5.1 yards per carry, but they only ran it 19 times, and that's part of being down by two scores for the second half. But the Titans' run defense has not looked good all season, and the Raiders didn't really take advantage we'll of that. Just be happy with your win. You know, I am happy, but happy. the Titans' secondary was pretty. Well, I was going to ask you because in this so game. they were if they were brutal. I mean, Devontae Adams ends up with 36 yards. And then Mac Hollins has 150, and I know he had a big 60-yard play in there, but that, he still had eight eight catches. I mean, yeah. that's not really the script you would imagine for the well, Raiders. So Terrence Mitchell, who was signed off the Steelers practice squad by the Titans earlier this week, played a ton of snaps outside at cornerback. Caleb Farley, healthy, played one snap. So what does that say about Caleb Farley's development? Probably not good things. But Matt Collins was torching Terrence Mitchell. I mean, he looked totally lost down the field. And Devontae Adams, his usage, his usage is puzzling to me because I get it. They're moving him around a lot to try to like throw off the defense or whatever. He's lining up inside a lot. He was in the slot a lot in this game, but when he was in the slot, the Titans would have the nickel cornerback on him, and then a linebacker was like there to bracket him because he kept running these little short routes over the middle and wasn't really that open very often. And I, I mean, 10 targets, like seeing that he had 10 targets is actually surprising to me Watch after watching the game. It didn't felt like he was that much of a go-to guy for them. And well, they need a second guy. Renfro is hurt yeah. and hasn't produced. Waller could have caught a ball at a the goal line that ended up being picked off. I yeah, mean, that's that about huge. as big a play as you can have in a game. It, it flips, you know, the seven points to the, to the ball to the other team. Uh, they remind me a lot of the John Gruden Raiders in that that those teams always moved the ball and couldn't finish drives. I don't know if that's is it the Derek Carr thing or or what, but that that was a team that could move it up and down the field and and couldn't really capitalize. This Raider like the the whole Raiders thing this whole off season, which now I'm now I'm peaked and slightly. Um, I'm annoyed now. Like they spent all offseason saying like, hey, uh, you know, you're counting us out in this division, blah, blah, blah. You don't understand who we are, but it's, you're 0-3. Yeah, come back to us, Raiders. You're yeah. the only 0-3 team in the league. And by the way, come back to us, NF- AFC West. You're not that impressive to me either not right so now. Much. The not so much. The difference in the game was the red zone for sure. Raiders 2-6 for six in the red zone. Titans scored touchdowns in mm. their trips to the red zone, and that's what. That's what will do And it. to what you were talking about earlier, Greg, that's three losses to start the season for the Raiders by a combined 13 points, and they had a chance to win at the end of all of those games. <laughs> but still, the vibes, also ominous. Not moribund, but ominous. Let's move on. Fourth down and 18 at the 38. <laughs> Snap, Uh-oh. Smith drops back. Atlanta trying to get there. Here's Gino to his Off right. Going to throw downfield. Oh. Intercepted. Richie Grant's got this one. 15 slides down 19-yard line. Richie Grant comes up with his first career interception. 
That was Geno Smith throwing the interception that doomed the Seattle Seahawks in a kind of a fun game to watch between two teams that probably aren't going to be dancing. They won't be prancing either, making erroneous injury <laughs> guesstimates, but they won't ah. be dancing in the playoffs either. But they can entertain us on a Sunday in September. That's how I felt. 27-23, Falcons over Seahawks. Marcus Mariota had his obligatory um, turnover in the fourth quarter that almost killed his team. But overall, I thought he looked pretty good in this game. Cordell Patterson, man, what else can you say about this man? He's uh, had 141 yards and a touchdown. Um, I hope you didn't have him on your bench in fantasy. I did. Uh, Whoa, and you had, really? How good is your team? Not very good. Kyle <laughs> Pitts, Drake London, they both make an impact. So the offense of the Falcons continues to be frisky. And, uh, and when it came down to it, Gino had to make a play there. He could not make the play. So the Seattle Seahawks dropped their second straight. It was tough. Gino on the move, playmaking, not really a strength. Uh, it did remind me of last year's couple games before the Jaguars game where he played pretty well, and then at the end it, it fell apart. I mean, he had a great game until that moment. 325 yards. Two touchdowns was almost perfect in the first half. They're, both teams are going up and down the field, uh, but he hasn't put together two great halves. And as much as Pete Carroll is talking about, like, we got to, you know, let Geno throw more, uh, he's earned it. I don't know if 44 throws uh, is the recipe here for the Seahawks and giving up more than 10 yards per throw to Marcus Mariota. I mean, their defense is a mess, one of the bottom five defenses in the league, and having Geno throw 45 times, it's asking a lot. It's asking a lot. Let me check out this fakakta Greg Rosenthal tweet three hours ago. If you combine Geno's first (laughs) half against Denver and his first half today, you'd have a beautiful baby. Instead, you have an orphan. I think that was a a great tweet. It was like if you combine them, like if they made love to each other. No, 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 You no, just no. had a beautiful football baby but born. Greg, that's the problem because that's what you have to Why do to, to squint there? enough with Geno Smith to concoct it you into. You don't have to squint. He's, he's performing <laughs> as well as you could possibly hope. The rest of the team is not helping out very much. And, like, yeah, they're not going to win trying to throw the ball I, a million well, I'll times. Give, no, I, I just think Geno Smith is who he is. And, like, I, right. I think he also – he is – when he's protected and things are good, he's a clean quarterback. And he's – I think he's impressed me more than I thought he would have overall. But I think what Pete Carroll and John Schneider were trying to sell to Seahawks fans before this season was Geno Smith will be enough – if we can run the ball really well, and that's what we plan to do, and if our defense is competent, and the defense is incompetent, and the running game is eh. Well, that's a great point, Mark. Well, it is. It's actually dead on why Geno Smith is crumbling and week to week. They, they, these teams feel like they deserve to be one and two, so that yeah, I this, kind of like that the Falcons got to win. But I'm Geno hurt. was I'm legitimately hurt. very good in the first half in this game. Yeah, uh, They just couldn't uh, put it together. And just heads up to Fox. Just... And, and this goes for all telecasts. I, the world we live in now, there's a lot of drones out there. And every once in a while, a drone flies into an airspace where it's not supposed to be. And it led to a five-minute delay in the game. And it's unfortunate. They throw to a commercial break. You use the bathroom or you get a drink or whatever you want to do. Come back, sit down. I'm ready to watch the game. I don't need you throwing it down to the sideline reporter telling me drone update. Don't care. Can I, I-, I could guess what happened. I'm with you, and I find it unnecessary. Like it happened. Wait, what did pa- he want them to do? Just sorry, move on. Sorry. Well, they have to say why, but it happened at a Patriots <laughs> practice last year. But Connor Orr, our friend, did yes. um, have an added nugget that the telecast, which I think is adding something to it, said that the drone 
had appeared over the University of Washington football game yesterday, but then simply went rogue and began, began flying over the stadium today. Like, it wasn't controlled. It just, like, took off on its own from a technology angle, slightly concerning. Well, the most accurate tweet, like, the truest tweet I saw all day was from our friend uh, Danny uh, Jameson, who said, this whole drone thing felt like a Mark Sessler sandwich prop that was never made. Like, this <laughs> this was your cornered, Mark. You should have predicted. Which is predict- why Dan dislikes it, I think. Right, predicted it I to don't happen. Care. Yeah, I was going to say Tommy Lee Jones and the Fugitive had it right. I don't care. Well, I mean, I didn't kill my wife. Don't care about that either. Well, that would be notable. He is a U.S. Marshal. His job was only, and that was, by the way, improv by Tommy Lee Jones. I don't care. Um, That his job (laughs) is not to decide guilt or innocence of Harrison Ford's character, the great Richard Kimball. His job is to bring him to justice. You reel him in. And then you put him, then Tommy Lee Jones goes on with the rest of his day. So what he told, what he's trying to tell Dr. Richard Kimball there is like, hey man, it's not personal. I'm doing my job here. Well, that's your opinion. (laughs) I think it's the correct one. Great movie. One more. Then Sunday Night Football. That back to Mills. Pierce's tip oh! intercepted in the hands of Roquan Smith. Tripped up by Mills. Do a dance, baby. Do a dance. The tip pass into the hands of Roquan Smith on the near side. It's picked off. Bears defense turns him over. Jeff Joniak with the call. WBBM. Roquan Smith. Big pick. That seals another Chicago Bears win. The Bears are 2-1 after a 23-20 victory over Lovey Smith, the former Bears coach, and the Houston Texans. Greggy, uh, good job by Khalil Herbert here. Stepped in for an injured David Montgomery. And uh, the Bears, all, all things considered, have to be feeling pretty good about where good things are. Good job by Herbert. Good job by Roquan Smith. Good job by both of these teams serving up a highly entertaining game back and forth. A we lot set of, the over-under at 12 and a half. Right. So. A lot of offense in the first half. <laughs> I ended up taking this game in the end. And I was thoroughly entertained. And it couldn't have been a more Bears victory. Roquan Smith, who even before that interception uh, was one of these stories of the game. He was absolutely everywhere. 16 tackles Trade in the him. game. Uh, and then making that interception. Uh, that's a Bears, like, historical linebacker type of game. And then the running game, like, had to have Bears fans going crazy that they put up 281 on the ground. Mostly Herbert, who, uh, to me, has looked even better than David Montgomery. Hopefully Montgomery uh, can get healthy. But they did not need him today. Running defense. It was a Bears type of win. This is, there are teams like this that pop up. I can think of a... (laughs) So it was boring. No, the game actually really was entertaining. I I, I really was. It was back and forth. I can think of teams like this terrible 2009 Eric Mangini team that started like 0-10, and and then they're like, we can't do anything that modern offenses do, so we're just going to run the ball nonstop. And we could look at the Eagles last year where the Hertz was a different quarterback. You just run the ball nonstop. And so I, if I'm Chicago, because that is how they climbed into the game with Green Bay a week ago, I, this 40 attempts for 281 yards at seven yards per carry, but behind what we thought was a terrible line, not a terrible run blocking line, apparently. Sense, didn't you sense Mark was going to give us the old, the 
man, Jeannie Brown's dropped a bomb on the Patriots oh, story that's there. that's true, yeah. I thought we were heading that direction. That was the next season, and that had to do with – that was not the same approach. I was, I was so excited. But that, this, game, this game would not have looked like that one. That, that, so that would have not have been a good place to insert that memory no. that I've used more than 40 times coming. on the show. I thought it was coming, and I was excited for it. it I'm just saying, if you're a Bears fan, like you can look at this and say, if they can take this approach – you're two and one. Who thought they'd be two and one? Sneak these wins in this rebuilding year and win any way you can. It says a lot about your coaching staff. Right. This to be might this be flexible. the high, this might be the high point of the season, or they might be three and one next week after playing the Giants. There nice are schedule. there are some concerns. Justin Fields looks to me like like the most lost quarterback in the NFL. Today was a nightmare. The fact that they won Uh-oh. this game with him throwing as ineffectively as he has. Uh, a couple really bad picks and just a couple plays where it just didn't seem like the entire passing operation knew what was happening. It was a little bit of a miracle that they could win despite that. So that that part of the equation is concerning. And yeah, they've they've run it now 104 times, Dan, this year. And uh, doing a little quick math, they've passed it 45. I mean, when was the last time that's happened in the NFL? No, that's insane. Know. They know who they are, at least. How did David Mills, David Mills look? Davis Mills. Uh, he that interception is brutal. Get me on this plane. They they were inside the ten yard line. David Mills was a guy in the crowd though. I want to know like what his experience was like. I'm leaving. He's like the brother of Brad Pitt from Seven. He looked like a real NFL quarterback who made a bunch of a nice plays, but he had two terrible interceptions that. Did we talk about Damian Pierce doing something? He looked pretty good, right? Yeah, Pierce looked great. Mills, you know, they had a. Uh, it, he had an interception on the goal line where he forced it in there, and uh, it, it was a bad play by him. I, I think a nice play by the by the Bears. That is why I always do that. By the way, David what? Mills is the Brad Pitt character from Seven, uh, and it has been in my head go. for the entire Davis Mills run. But Mills did that like uh, young quarterback thing. He like predetermined what he was going to do on that Roquan Smith mm. interception, and he even predetermined I'm going to look them off, mm-hmm. and then I'm going to go back to this guy and throw it no matter what. And he did look them off. Uh, but he didn't look to see if it had any effect on Roquan Smith, who didn't bite on it at all. And so it, it ruined an otherwise pretty good game. Out Justin of Fields was his own worst critic in this game. He said that he played like trash. So obviously a lot of work to be done on that offense. You want to see them grow as an offense and get more, you know, some offensive fireworks in the passing game. But they won two out of three and they get the Giants and Commanders sandwiched by the Vikings over the next three weeks. So we'll see where the Bears are at. All right. That's it for us, Right. That is. That's mm-hmm. it. Yes. Um, we are going to um, now sign off, gather our personal affects. I'm going to go eat at the huddle, get, it, get some dinner. Grub, and then head to Los Angeles International Airport. The Tom Bradley Benson. No, see, Tom you're doing Bradley. what I do. <laughs> the David Mills <laughs> International uh, whatever. Um, Nick Shook is going to take us out here with the Sunday night football recap um, between the Denver Broncos and San Francisco 49ers. Uh, and you will hear from us next on Tuesday from London. God willing. Thank you to everybody for watching the stream. Until next week. On to London. Cheerio. Crikey. Nope. Neither. 12-yard sack choosing not to use that last time out. Cost about 15 seconds. Garoppolo just trying to get it out. Wilson has it on the run. Lost the football. Denver's got it. And Denver's got this one. Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth on the call for NBC. Sunday night is home to the bright lights of primetime, but all games are not created equal. And if anybody had any questions about that, they learned that on Sunday night. 
when the Denver Broncos pulled out their second straight win from the jaws of defeat with Melvin Gordon's one-yard touchdown run pushing them past the 1-2 49ers by a riveting final of 11-10. Yes, it took one sustained drive for the Broncos to get past the 49ers and perhaps more importantly, exercise the demon that has plagued them for the last two games. That demon being... The fact that when they get into goal-to-go situations, they can't score a touchdown. They finally did that tonight in the win over the 49ers and then hung on with some great defensive play calling. You know, daring Jimmy Garoppolo to play the side, giving him the sidelines, daring him to play the middle of the field where they forced an interception, a predictable interception, and really a, a kind of a bummer for the redemption narrative that Jimmy Garoppolo was riding into the week. You know, a guy who came back, restructured his contract, Ends up in the starting role again for the 49ers, you know, by unfortunate circumstance. And he's here to prove that he should have been here all along, that maybe his time in San Francisco is not over. And 49ers fans were unfortunately reminded of why the franchise was trying to move on from him with his decision making in this game. That's not the only turnover he had. The only other bad play he had, Dan Orlovsky got some great new company in the rare club, the unenviable club of quarterbacks who were... Uh, seen, well, essentially uh, cemented their legacy by running out of the back of the end zone to get a safety. Those two points actually mattered a whole lot for the Broncos, considering the fact that they won 11-10, to 10, but it's far from the only statistics that mattered in this game that was, well, pretty ugly, okay? One for 10 on third down for the 49ers. That's not going to get it done. Six for 19 for the Broncos. Also really not going to get it done. But unlike past games for the Broncos, they were a little more organized. They came out of the huddle and actually had the play called and were able to get set before the play clock ran down. Those Broncos fans didn't need to count down the play clock for them as they had, you know, in a sarcastic tone in the week before. But for a second straight week, the Broncos come away with a win that kind of doesn't really feel like a win, but they all count the same. Broncos now 2-1, and one, tied atop the AFC West in the division in which was supposed to be the most difficult in the history of the NFL. They, somehow, some way, despite all their disorganization, they're sitting pretty, thanks in large part to the way their defense played in this game, forcing three turnovers in this game against the 49ers. The 49ers offense takes a step back. You know what you get with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's a quarterback that doesn't have a super high ceiling, but can manage a game for you. Unfortunately, he has not often been the quarterback that can go win a game for you. And once they found themselves trailing by just a single point, he proved again that he was not quite that guy. He finished 18 for 29. 211 yards, a touchdown, and that fateful interception. Niners also lacking a huge contribution from Debo Samuel, who got dinged up in this game, finished with five catches for 73 yards, but didn't make an impact on the ground. You know, coming into tonight's game, I picked personally, I picked the Broncos in a one-point win, 17-16, to a more conventional score. Before this game, only one had ever ended in an 11-10 to score in the history of the NFL We now have two, but it was a difficult path to get there. The Denver Broncos constantly running into the same struggles that have plagued them for the first three weeks. Russell Wilson hanging on to the football too long. The offense stalling, making mistakes either with penalties or just inaccuracy. There was a situation in the second half where, or actually late in the first half, where Russell Wilson and the offense start on their own one. They get all the way down into Niners territory. They're sustaining a drive. And then a false start on Jerry Judy knocks him back five yards. Then a holding on Garrett Bowles knocks him back another 10 yards. Before you know it, a promising drive ends in a punt. Another situation happened to them in the second half where they were also forced to punt. And for a while, as many people were watching and expressing on Twitter, 
we were wondering if maybe this would end in a 7-5 to game, which is a score fitting more of a, of a baseball diamond than a football field. But luckily, the Broncos did find a way to get the offense moving. Failed on the two-point conversion, which left it at 11-10, to but they were able, able to hang on defensively. That's kind of the story for both of these teams. Two really good defensive performances. If we get past the offensive struggles, they were kind of caused by defenses. You got good pass rushes from the Broncos. Randy Gregory came up with a key sack. Joey, uh, Nick Bosa, excuse me, making key sacks per usual or at least causing pressures. Niners putting together pretty good defensive performance overall. Even guys in the back end of the defense, Charvarius Ward being another one, breaking up a big pass that uh, Russell Wilson attempted for Jerry Judy in the second half. But you do, you know, you come away from this game kind of feeling like, hey, you know, the Niners at one and two, they don't have a ton of reasons to be optimistic because Jimmy Garoppolo is their quarterback. But then again, this is a game they're going to wish they had back because they know they could have gone and won it if things had, you know, played out a little bit differently. Broncos, meanwhile, got to feel fortunate to be 2-1 and one considering all the things they've run into. Still not organized offensively. Russell Wilson missing open targets on third down. The offense still not hitting that rhythm. And inexplicably, play calling, going away from the running game when it's proven to be their strength. They still are not running the ball enough, and they're still not getting Javante Williams enough carries. I, I looked, I took a note down during the game where I thought, you know, Nathaniel Hackett and his offense kind of looks like, you know, he's playing Madden right now, and he just can't resist calling that deep shot. It's They've been running the ball all the way down the field, but you know what? I got to mix it up. I got to throw the football, and before you know it, they're behind schedule. So luckily for the Broncos, they were able to end that goal to go touchdown this streak with that touchdown in the final quarter. But as Chris Collinsworth said in the first half, there are some things going on that they are just not together. And it looked like that for much of the game. You got to give credit to the 49ers for playing solid defense, of course. Offense, like we said, not so much. Uh, Niners also were without Eric Armstead for the first time in a long time. But they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and figure out, hey, how do we get better than one and two right now? Because this is our situation going forward. We are a team quarterbacked by Jimmy Garoppolo. We're without Elijah Mitchell. We got to use Debo Samuel more than we did on Sunday night. The bright side for both teams, not that it matters all that much unless you're a fan of special teams. It is the one third of the game. It's the third phase of the game. Punt coverage was incredible. Multiple punts down inside the five, down at the one or two yard line, setting up long fields. Neither team really able to uh, dig themselves out of it. The Broncos uh, able to get across midfield before they again ran into their own struggles. But overall, Sunday night football, we've seen better games. We've seen, I guess we've seen worse games. Uh, You hope that the Broncos kind of get things sorted out. The reason I picked the Broncos going into this week is I was on board with Greg Rosenthal. I, I, I pretty much thought, you know, hey, you know, they can't run into these issues forever, right? Uh, eventually, they're going to get them ironed out. Well, they didn't quite get them ironed out on Sunday night, but they got them ironed out when the the time, I guess, was most important late in the in the game. Be able to sustain a drive. Russell Wilson using his legs, doing something that he hadn't done for the majority of his first couple of games of the Broncos this season. So things that we got used to seeing him do in Seattle: extending plays with his feet, scrambling for yards, not making mistakes with the football. He did that in that final drive, and then he ripped a great pass down the sideline to Cortland Sutton. Great back shoulder throw that set them up for a score. For the first time, we saw shades of what an off, off this offense should be with Russell Wilson at quarterback. We'll see if they can sustain it, but they come away 2-1. and one. They're moving on victorious. Niners, meanwhile, got to go back and figure out what went wrong and how they can set up going forward. Not much else to say about this game other than that. Uh, you know, it is what it is. It was a Sunday night. I wouldn't call it a clunker, but it wasn't the most entertaining game. Luckily, we got Monday night on deck tomorrow, and the guys are on their way to London as I speak. 
right now. They're getting ready for a full week's worth of coverage as the NFL starts its international series over in London. So for Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler, Dan Hansis, I'm Nick Shook. Wrapping up your Sunday night coverage, flying solo here while those guys fly across the Atlantic Ocean. And as always, heed the call. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late for a very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from undercover tourists. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from undercover tourists and authorized seller and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with undercover tourists now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.